Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another informative podcast brought to you by University of Cebu School of Law through its Legal Aid Office. We are fourth-year students from UC School of Law. I'm Eden. I'm Jessica. I'm Anna. I'm Serge. And this is... Let's Get Loud! Ow! For today's episode, we will discuss a labor law topic relating to termination of employment. We will cover the causes, procedures, and remedies. So Jess, who would be our guest speaker for today's episode? In this episode of Let's Get Loud, our guest speaker is a registered nurse, an associate counsel at University of Cebu Legal Department, a college instructor at UC College of Business and Accountancy, and a labor law professor at UC School of Law. During his law school years, he was a researcher of the UC Law Mooting Team, the president of University of Cebu Law Students Society for the school year 2016 to 2017. He graduated as class valedictorian of class 2018 and the best thesis awardee. Let's all welcome attorney Nicole John Ruaya. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. So let me turn you over to my group mate, Church. Um, so for this podcast, we'll be talking about um, the rights of workers when it comes to um, security of tenure. So, um, so for the first question, we would like to ask, uh, what are the rights of an employee when it comes to um, security of tenure or the like, security of their job? Okay, so security of tenure is actually a constitutionally guaranteed right. It basically means that if you uh, uh, you cannot be fired or terminated from your job without uh, causes authorized uh, prov- provided for by law, so just or authorized causes. With just causes, it's typically uh, the fault of the employee. So they did something wrong, they committed a crime, their uh, work performance was exceptionally poor, things like that. Whereas authorized causes are it's it's become infeasible unfeasible for the company to continue keeping the employee on board so for example if uh, the company is losing money and can't afford to maintain its current workforce or the company has to close so it has to let the employee go so uh, that's those are authorized causes now with security of tenure uh, it basic uh, again it's you can't be terminated unless they're just or authorized causes, but it also depends on the kind of employee you are. So if you're a regular employee, you can you're, you have the right of security of tenure up until you either resign or you retire or the job is no longer available. If you're, a, let's say, a project employee, you have security of tenure up until the project ends or when the phase of the project for which you were hired ends. And if you're, for example, a contractual employee, let's say you were hired for January to December, 2022. Within that period, you also have security of tenure. So essentially, um, almost all employees have security of tenure, but uh, it's essentially limited only to for what uh, the scope of the for which they were hired. That's why so many people they really gun for regularization because they know that their security of tenure is protected up until they're ready to move on to another job. Okay, so if you're a regular employee, what would be the valid grounds to terminate your employment? Okay, so as we mentioned, just or authorized causes. Now, just causes, they're under under the labor code. It's uh, 
well, the first just cause, there are five listed in the labor code. The first just cause is serious misconduct or willful disobedience of the orders, the lawful orders of the employer. So, with serious misconduct, it's not simply like, uh, it's not as simple as uh, loitering or being noisy in the worst places. From the word serious, it has to be uh, considerably bad for the employee to be fired. So. Uh, probably sexual harassment comes to mind if you are for example if you are harassing your co-workers if you are being violent towards co-workers uh, things like that it's usually uh, usually reserved for the most egregious offenses willful disobedience means that the employer had a reasonable uh, order related to the work of the employee that the employee uh, refused to perform so uh, Usually, like work-related tasks, like the, uh, um, probably whatever is related to your job. So, for example, if you are a, a secretary and you're asked to organize a meeting and you refuse, that could be considered willful disobedience. The second ground would be gross or habitual neglect of duty. So, gross meaning it's uh, serious, uh, something very serious, and habitual meaning it's not just a one-time thing. Uh, so neglect of duty, you failed to perform something that was required of you. However, there are cases where the Supreme Court held that the habituality requirement can be omitted if the grossness or the seriousness of the negligence was so considerable that it would be unfair to require the employer to keep the employee on board. So, for example, there were cases where the employee lost like hundreds of thousands of pesos and the Supreme Court considered that one it's not habitual it was only a one-time thing but it's so serious that it's unfair to expect the employer to continue to trust an employee like that and speaking of trust the third ground is uh loss of trust and confidence so this is reserved for only confidential employees so either a managerial employee or an employee who is interested to handle the money or property of the uh employer so for example if you lose money or property or you refuse or you uh refuse to perform functions that were entrusted to you so you could be terminated for loss of trust and confidence fourth ground would be uh commission of a crime against the life or property of the employer uh so i think that's obvious you wouldn't want to keep someone who committed a crime against you and last is uh, analogous causes so anything that's somewhat similar but not exactly the same as uh the the fourth foreground so probably an example would be commission of a crime against a client or a student. So, because the ground is commission of crime against the employer, but it's somewhat similar because, for example, if you're a school and a teacher, let's say, harasses a student, that's a crime against a student. So, technically, it's not the fourth ground, but it's similar enough that it could probably be considered analogous. So, those are the just causes. So, clearly, it's the fault of the employee. With um, authorized cause... Okay, sorry, attorney, to cut you there. But, um... Is it okay that before we move to the authorized causes, we'll give you um, instances like the um, the possible reasons why an employee um, gets terminated? Okay, sige, sige. so we'll save authorized causes for later. Yes, sige, sige. yes, okay. Um, so first, um, can you be fired if you engage in office romance like... Um, uh, let's say co-employee or your boss or something. Okay, uh, that's uh, uh, that's actually in, an interesting topic. Okay, there were, have been a lot of 
uh, there are some companies that have what you call like uh, anti-fraternization policy or anti like office romance things like that uh, and it's for the most part it seems to be on a case-to-case basis because the Supreme Court looks at the reasonableness of that requirement well first of all it's apparent that in order to to discipline someone for an office romance you have to have a policy in place first for the employee to violate so if the if the company or the employer doesn't have a policy in place that bio, that prohibits office romance so you can't accuse the employee of violating a policy that wasn't even there to begin with but assuming that there is a policy so the supreme court uh, kind of looks at it like at uh, from is it reasonable uh, a lot of cases the company tried to justify it by saying that it impedes productivity and things like that but the, from what we can see in jurisprudence it's not really the supreme court hasn't really found it reasonable yet because there's not really a nexus between uh an office romance and uh the for the reason behind the policy so kind of product, hampered productivity probably there may be a case for it if for example the the distraction of the employees is so apparent like for example their seatmates or something like that and they're really not doing anything and people complain that they're not contributing and they're uh, like PDA and things like that so probably you could justify a disciplinary measures but since dismissal is too harsh of a penalty to impose at the outset probably the company should resort to less harsh measures for like separating them assigning one of them to a different department and things like that and I think it's resolvable at that to that degree it's resolvable now so there's really no need to reach the point now you have to dismiss one of them okay attorney um next is um gossiping especially when you are talking bad things about your uh, manager or supervisors or even um to your co-employees okay uh okay so for example and things like that uh one could argue na kuan it's a form of misconduct but it would for the most part i don't think it would be you could justify terminating an employee for gossiping probably if because at the end of the day it's still covered by freedom of expression like what you think about your employer what you think of your co-workers you're entitled to that opinion but again if it starts to border on libelous if it yeah. starts to border on uh uh some like for example cyber libel you post about your employer how you hate your employer so that would be a different thing because you're bringing it into the public domain but if it's something like for example in the office like namosa water cooler and you're talking about how you don't like this one co-employee uh you'd be when you're within your right to talk like that because that's part of that's your opinion that's your freedom of expression as long as it doesn't like create like a corrosive work environment and as long as it's not wouldn't amount to libel then i think gossiping is fine i think it's a natural consequence of a workplace man said you form close relationship with some and you don't like the others and you end up talking about everyone else even your own boss that's a natural consequence i think of a workplace so it depends on how far you go with the gossiping yeah another instance attorney um how about organizing a union okay that's a very hot button topic but but no, you cannot terminate an employee for organizing a union or even joining a union because that would amount to an unfair labor practice. Uh, our constitution protects the rights of employees to self-organization. So if you impede uh, employees from 
acting on that right that would be uh, that would our uh, amount of unfair labor practice actually it's actually illegal under our labor code how about um, you were caught drinking alcoholic beverages inside your work premises and during work hours okay that, that would definitely constitute misconduct uh, because obviously if when you're drunk you can you can't be productive uh, uh, it, it also depends. Some people are more productive when they're drunk. It depends on how much they drink. Pero for the most part, it would yes, it would be a form of misconduct. Whether or not it's serious misconduct would depend depend also on the situation. So, for example, if it was a driver who was drinking during work hours, definitely that would be serious enough to warrant termination because uh, in, inherently they have to be sober when they're performing the job. Otherwise, it would be a form of illegal uh, illegal violation of traffic rules already. So for the most part, I think drunkenness, the, the employer can give a lighter penalty like suspension. But if it's something that really requires the employee to be alert, like for example, a security guard or what I said, a driver, so uh, then definitely you could consider it serious enough that probably you, uh, the employer could dismiss them. Okay, um, how about um, your caught stealing from your company's inventory but you are not a confidential employee, like ordi ordinary employee lang Okay, you could be terminated for that because uh, even if you're not a confidential employee, it would still amount to commission of a crime, the fourth ground. There have been cases where the employee took something as small as like a roll of tape or wires or oil and the supreme court has uh in some cases the supreme court has held that it's uh valid for it's valid it's a valid dismissal because it's still a crime against the employer but there have also been cases where the supreme court they, they were merciful to work. they favored the employee and said now give them a chance you weren't using it anyway something like that yeah. like so case-to-case -case basis but if we were strict about it there would be grounds for termination how about if the employee ghosted their employer attorney like um, they were not able to report for days and they were not able to give any reason why okay so pr probably that would be absence without leave uh, absence without leave or abandon it could be or in a more extreme case it might be even considered abandonment of duty so those are actually forms of neglect of duty and if it's often enough and uh, often enough it might even be considered gross and habitual neglect of duty with absences with unjustified absences it's usually uh, with usually with employers they uh, impose first it's usually with warnings and then after that if it's continued suspension of varying degrees and then when the employee it shows like you know you're giving the employee a chance to reform to improve their attendance record but then if it seems like even after multiple suspensions the employee is not doing anything then you could uh, terminate the employee and use the ground of gross and habitual neglect of duty okay last thing what if you were a um, model and then you got fired because you got pregnant um, uh, is that a valid termination mm, okay uh, Interesting Shana question because with with uh, what you call this with certain professions you're required to uh, what you could do, you're required to like maintain like certain body types like with modeling or even like flight attendants things like that 
if it's something if it, if that like body or weight requirement is part of the job that's called a bona fide occupational qualification uh, and it's reasonable for the employer to require the employee to maintain that but if it's pregnancy then the because we have rules and regulations especially under the magna carta women that women cannot be terminated or discriminated against on the ground of pregnancy so probably the and the best solution to that would probably be to put the employee on maternity leave up until she has already given birth because it would be unfair to terminate her simply because she got pregnant because that would be anti-woman anti-pregnancy so it would be unfair on the part of the woman so definitely uh termination would not be the right move on the part of the employer probably in, like kato put them on leave or assign them to another form of work up until they're ready to start modeling again etc but definitely termination would be a uh, problematic in the long run for the employer okay does that apply to con- um models under a certain contract like they got pregnant while their contract is still in effect mm. That, that would be difficult to quanda because again if the contract requires that they maintain a certain body type okay well for one thing uh the social the social implications of re- requiring a certain body type aside uh it would be probably the contract would be because if there's a stipulation that you cannot get pregnant that would be a uh for example, there's a stipulation you cannot get pregnant, otherwise we reserve the right to terminate you for employment. That would already be an illegal stipulation. So insofar as that stipulation is concerned, it would be considered void because uh, it would violate uh, the rights of women, especially pregnant women. And then nowadays, we're very uh, gung-ho about uh, keeping uh, anti-discrimination, we're gung-ho about equality or at least equity. So it would be very unfair to require a pregnant to terminate a pregnant woman because now then now more than ever she needs that income and said it would be unfair okay thank you for um answering those questions thank you so that's it guys for just causes now um let's go back to the authorized causes as mentioned by Ryan. okay so uh authorized causes are the other form of causes that you can terminate an employee for well just causes are the fault of the employee Authorized causes are not the fault set, but more of circumstances related to the employer. So, for example, uh, there are five ground authorized causes under the labor code. The first is automation. So, uh, if the employee, the employee's job has been automated, meaning they're using a machine for that now, uh, then the employee can be dismissed. Uh, what example comes to mind in a lot of the older movies where factory workers and then suddenly they're bringing in this machine that does the job for them so they're laid off so that's one ground another ground would be uh, uh, redundancy redundancy basically means that the employee's position has become redundant there are like let's say many many other positions or many other what you call that offices that share the same function so in order to streamline their business the company decided to get rid of this position because it's similar to that position or we have to close this office because we decided to uh, because it 
it already shares function with this office so things like that uh, and third ground would be retrenchment due to financial losses so when the company is has MS serious financial losses that's either actual or imminent then the, uh, they can let go of employees uh, the best example of this was early on in the pandemic where a lot of businesses were suffering uh, they had to let go there was massive retrenchment because the businesses could no longer keep up uh, could no longer afford to pay their employees because they were bleeding hemorrhaging mga kuan, uh, money especially for those businesses who couldn't pivot to an online setup fast enough the fourth ground would be closure of the business or even closure of a branch so for example if this branch of Jollibee decides to close then the employees would be dismissed because of authorized causes uh, unless Jollibee decides to transfer some of the employees to other branches but for the most part it's often uh, dismissed considered dismissed na sila. fifth ground would be uh, disease disease na that's not uh, curable within six months so a disease that affects the health of the employee or the health of co-workers uh, I'm not too sure about this but I speculate that the reason for this provision is because of tuberculosis because tuberculosis is curable within six months so I think probably that was their threshold but the disease again has to be continued work would have to jeopardize the health of the employee themselves or the health of the co-workers so for example if the condition is let's say AIDS the employee has AIDS but office worker has yeah and AIDS is only transmitted to either STI or through the blood so there's really no chance of a uh, co-worker getting infected also so there's no reason to let go that the employee go because it doesn't affect their own health to continue working there it doesn't also uh, endanger the health of the co-worker so uh, but the best example is usually tuberculosis uh, untreated tuberculosis rather but with all of those authorized causes the important thing to note is that they have to be reported to Dole when you let an employee go because of authorized causes. Uh, there has to be notice, obviously, and the employee has to be paid separation pay. The reason why there is separation pay because it is not the fault of the employee why they're being let go. So they deserve like, something to compensate them for the fact that they are uh, losing their jobs. So I think the most recent uh, public controversy related to that was Shopee. When uh, there were there was talks about how um, there was like massive retrenchment of workers, but the workers admitted that they were paid for they were compensated before they left the company. So something like that they have to be paid. Unlike with just causes, you don't get any separation pay because it's the employee's fault, man. So if you if you were to pay the employee separation pay, that would in effect award be rewarding the employee for their wrongdoing. So. Uh, if we were to be strict about it, no employee being dismissed on just cause would get separation pay. Uh, unless the employer is very, very, very generous. But with authorized causes, there is always separation pay. Okay, attorney, um, that was very insightful. So we have prepared a follow-up question. So um, in relation to um, business losses, like um, the authorized cause is due to business losses. Um, uh, what if Dire Mutuang employee, um, what would be the standard of business losses for there to be a justification on the part of the employer to close? Okay, so retrenchment because of financial losses. So the best evidence of that, of that would be audited financial statements. Uh, the best situation would be to show that there has been a down, downward trend of the income of the 
uh, employer such to the point that would no longer be justified they can no longer justify keeping that current workforce that they have so it's not enough to show what the current financial status of the employers they have to show probably from the previous year at the very least to show that they are suffering they're losing money or they are about to lose a lot of money that the only way to save them is uh, to let some of the employees go so usually yeah audited financial statements is the best because it shows how much capital they have how much income how much revenue and how much they are also losing so the courts would have a the labor tribunals would have a good idea of how much money they're losing exactly so then they can determine ah, okay you're justified in letting these employees go but it's always a case-to-case basis because each company has different capitals different income another question that maybe um i think trending for pandemic flight attendants um got retrenched so what if you were a flight attendant and you were questioning um the decision of your employer to dismiss you while your other employees were not uh, dismissed so what would be the standard um for a valid retrenchment like first in first out or... okay so yeah, that's a good question so pag starts a pandemic syempre no one was traveling so airlines were losing a lot of money and unfortunately the ones who had to bear the brunt of that were the flight attendants and uh, some of their pilots because no one was flying man so they're essentially so what happened is that they had to retrench and that was to me that was reasonable because they were losing money man said so think that everyone knew that but with regard to there were uh, definitely the flight attendants kay, they suffered a lot because of that but as to the question of who, who to fire first because yeah. syempre, if you were retrenched you would wonder nano napamana si you know si na dapat uh, usually a lot of them is like a lot of these issues is usually like i was here longer why is the younger person still there yeah. with there there's no hard and fast rule but jurisprudence provides for certain criteria that the company can take into account for purposes of equity you, as you mentioned usually it's first in first out so if you have if you have seniority, meaning if you were there longer, you'd be prioritized in staying because you've already given so many years uh, so many years to the company, so you're already closer to retirement. So why not keep you keep you on board na lang? sayang ba? So you have a chance of seeing uh, closer to retirement. Plus, the younger person is probably more, has a better chance of finding a job because realistically, uh, the reality is younger people tend to be prioritized in hiring. Even though we have an anti-age discrimination law, uh, another factor to consider is the work performance of the employee. So probably a younger employee was retained, but they have better work performance, better evaluation, better cleaner employment record. So they were retained. Probably that's another factor they considered. Another thing to also keep in mind when uh, when you have no choice but to retrench employees is you also look at the. Uh, the status of the employee so you would prioritize keeping your regular employees because again uh, because security of tenure uh, so you those who are permanent you prioritize keeping them whereas those who are more I don't want to say like one uh, temporary but less permanent like your casual employees your probationary employees you would probably let them go first because they've been here shorter and their security of tenure is not as as locked in as those of the regular employees so yeah those three factors seniority uh, employment status and uh, 
performance. So those are things that the Supreme Court has advised employees to consider when thinking about retrenchment. So probably those who were frustrated that why am I being let go, that I'm older than her, uh, we can't account that there's always a possibility that there's favoritism because that's inevitable in any workplace, I think. But probably one probable factor why you retain a younger or shorter, uh, less tenured employee is because of probably they perform better or probably different ang ilang employment status. But we can't, we, we won't know unless you know one of the employees decides to file a case. So, and it becomes jurisprudence. That's, that's the only time that we'll ever really know what ha- what the situation was. Okay, Atheni. Uh, what if uh, relating to what happened to the employees in Shopee? So what if they re- uh, received or like they accepted um, payment? Can they still question the validity of their dismissal in view of that acceptance of early payment or something? Okay, okay, that's a good question. Uh, so basically, the question is if you. What if the employee accepted the separation pay? Uh, certainly, there's nothing to stop them from filing a case if they wanted to, because that would be the right as an employee. Uh, what? Probably when they accepted the pay, probably they had to execute a quit claim, uh, saying that uh, I have no more cause of action against the company. I received this amount, and uh, to be to be Kwanza, to be honest with jurisprudence, doesn't look favorably upon quit claims. So if the employee decides to question it, okay, definitely they would be within the right to file a case, and it would be up to the labor arbiter to decide. Na okay, do they really have a, a cause of action against the company, or did the company was the company fair was the one? So if the employee was particularly, I don't want to say greedy, but if the employee was particularly uh, well versed sa ilang rights as an employee. They would probably file a case because, for example, if they already received the money, but they think that this wasn't the right man getting retrenchment, so they would file a case. And at worst case scenario, it was declared that the retrenchment was valid. They can still get to keep the money, so that would be a pretty like power move on their part, pa, na uh, So it's sort of like a sort of like a gamble, ba na? You file a case. There's a chance that you might get more, but if you don't file a case, you still have this, uh, or if the case is dismissed, you still have that money that they paid you. So, uh, to them, it's not really that the losses for the employee in that case aren't really that big, aside from you know paying a lawyer. Uh, pay, uh, but yeah, probably koan, uh, probably that kind of scenario. So now that we know the causes of a um, of termination, oh, is it? still valid for an employer to say uh, then and there that you are fired after knowing that um, for example you stole um, an important thing from the company's inventory okay so uh, this is actually something that the media tends to get wrong but yeah. especially western media and some teles areas na <laughs> they show na the employee gets into a disagreement with the koan with the manager or something and the manager tells them you're fired yeah. and then the employee leaves and then that's it uh that's a very western perception it's called uh, employment at will which means that the employer can fire you for basically any reason uh, Think one, probably California and Anna said that. Like, but that's why in a lot of Hollywood films, I'm not too sure. But uh, anyway, 
that's employment at will. We do not follow that in the Philippines. For all the flaws of our legal system, I think na it does a good, our labor law, ideal, in theory at least, does a good job of protecting our employees. Uh, because, again, you can only be dismissed for just or authorized causes. But what if, but even with just or authorized causes, the employer cannot dismiss you immediately. There is, uh, employees are titled to both substantial and procedural due process. So, there has to be a process that the employer has to follow before they can dismiss the employee. So, in case of just causes, there's, the employer has first to issue a notice telling the employee, you have reason to believe you did this and that, this and that. Please submit an explanation in writing within five days. And then after five days, if, regardless if the employee actually submitted a written uh, written explanation or not, the employer hosts like a hearing to hear the employee out and give them an opportunity to be heard. It doesn't actually have to be a physical face-to-face hearing as long as the employee was given a chance to explain their side. And then after the hearing, if there's really proof that the employee did it, uh, or was at fault, then the employer can issue a decision, a no- second notice terminating the uh, service of the employee. So we have to follow, that's a procedure that uh, all employers have to follow if they want to let an employee go. Plus, if the employer has a policy that's very mga steps, they're also bound to follow that. Uh, so for example, if there's a company manual that says that the hearing has to be attended by the head of finance and the head of HR and the head of Onsapadiha. Uh, so they, they are bound by those requirements under their own policy. That is That becomes part of the due process to which the employee is entitled. Uh, that's Kwanza, uh, going back to employment at will, that's actually a lot of, there are a lot of instances where employees file labor cases because of that because the employer is under the impression that they can fire the employee on the spot when that's not the case so it's not so much the employer was in bad faith because the employee presumably did something wrong to warrant that termination but because the employer was just not aware that that is the procedure that they had to follow so it's not so much malice on the part of the employer but more of uh, circumstantial ignorance but they just didn't know na, na, that they have to do this so is the process the same for authorized uh, dismissal for authorized causes? Uh, no, it's not the same. With authorized causes, there's only one notice and no hearing. Uh, one notice to the employee uh, and copy furnished ang dole. So that's before 30 days before the intended date of termination. So there's only really one notice that the employer has to file. With notices given to both the employee and Dole to inform them that oh, we have to terminate them because of these authorized process. Um, what if attorney, um, an employee like believed that he was illegally dismissed either uh, because of an illegal cause or was not a notice? Um, what would um, that employee do? Like asked to um, question the legality of their dismissal. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, because this is a quad, lot of concerns about this. When you're dismissed, you file a complaint with the NLRC, the region, regional arbitration branch of your area. Uh, well, first, before you file a complaint, I would advise to talk to someone with a legal background. Uh, so at least you get an idea of what you're getting yourself into. Because some employees, they, they think that it's dead and there are resolved an issue. It's not. It can take months, it can take years, depending if mobile or other party. 
But yeah, you go to NLRC, uh, the staff there will assist you in filing a complaint. And what happens is that you go first to a single entry approach uh, conference where basically the parties meet and the uh, SENA single entry approach or SENA officer tries to mediate between the parties. For example, the employee says, tries to talk to the employee, what do you want? Do you want to be reinstated? Do you want to be paid? And then employer is like, we are willing to pay this amount. And then employee, are you willing to accept that amount? So it's more of negotiations. If SENA fails, if they can't settle at SENA, then the matter is the uh, matter is elevated to a mandatory conference before the labor arbiter, where it's the labor arbiter themselves now try to mediate between the parties. So it's similar to happen, try to settle the matter. Now, company uh, employee, well, how much are you willing to accept? And an employer, are you willing to pay that, etc. And then if they fail na to settle at that level, then that's when you file a position paper and your evidence and everything. Uh, and then uh, the labor arbiter can call a hearing if they want just to clarify certain matters. And then when the labor arbiter will then decide on the case and then it's then and there that it becomes more complicated because you appeal and then you file an appeal bond and things like that but at the but for the initial steps that's basically it okay attorney what if the court finds that you were illegally dismissed what would happen to the employee okay so with the employee if the employee was illegally dismissed they would normally be entitled to do uh two things the first is uh, separation pay or reinstatement or separation pay reinstatement means you go back to work you get your job back without any loss of seniority so it's as if nothing it's as if you were never dismissed it's as if you were there up at up the entire time you don't lose your retirement benefits it's as if you've been continuously working there uh, so, so that's reinstatement or separation pay so Separation pay can be granted if reinstatement is no longer applicable. For example, someone is working already in the position, na new hires, so they replace ng employee, or uh, if the re- of the relationship between the parties, the employer and employee is so strained, it's so toxic na, na it would be awkward if the employee were to go back because when you file a case, there's already like a degree of resentment there naman towards the employer. So in said by if the employee is forced to go back to work there when they already have this work anger towards the employee employer. Uh, the second re- uh, relief that the employee is entitled to is back wages, which is basically uh, the salary of the employee from the time that they were dismissed up until the case is settled and fully paid. So Sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, the employee can also ask for damages or attorney's fees, depending and then depending on labor arbiter if they will award that, depending on merits of the case. But essentially, moto separation pay or uh, reinstatement or separation pay plus back wages. What if attorney in the lower court um, there was a finding of illegal dismissal, but after the appeal? Um, the Court of Appeals found that the dismissal was valid. But what, what would happen to the back wages received by the employee? Well, for the most part, uh, for the most part, if the employer appealed the illegal dismissal decision, then they haven't started paying the back wages probably yet because if uh, the back wages is part of the illegal dismissal issue, man. So if they raise the the issue of illegal dismissal, they probably raised along with it the issue of back wages. So probably, uh, probably they haven't actually paid it yet. I assume in most 
with but with the thing about back wages is it continues to run up until the case is settled with finality so there's also a gamble on the part of the employer if they appeal because the back wages will continue to run so you have to be very very confident that you will win at the appellate level because the back wages will, is still running and one if you 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 lose at the appellate level that's months or even years worth of back wages that you have to pay to the employee okay attorney um uh thank you for like um explaining the um uh, causes for termination so um how about if the employee decides to resign um what would be the proper steps and what would be uh, and are there any reasons that would justify uh, a valid resignation okay so resignation is uh when the employee is the one who voluntarily terminates the employee-employee relationship. Now, generally, the employee has no, uh, it's not required to have a reason to resign. It could be nagikapoy na sila, they're tired of working here, or they don't like their employer. Uh, it's something that's usually the case for resignation in a lot of cases. But uh, if uh, if they do resign without for whatever reason, they have to comply with the period uh, thir- uh, period provided by law or depending if the company has another period provided for. Typically, it's 30 days. So within 30 days, the employee, if the employee tenders a resignation and is accepted, they have to stay on for another 30 days because uh, they have to go through a clearance process, they have to turn over documents and responsibilities to their successor, they have to train the person who will replace them. Uh, that's usually what happens within the 30-day period. The employer can actually waive that period and just put it effective immediately on resignation. But there are exceptions. If uh, there are exceptions, the resignation can be effective immediately, regardless uh, of the situation. If the employee has uh, has certain uh, is resigning based on certain grounds. So, for example, if they were harassed by the employer. Or if they were uh, seriously insulted or humiliated by the employer, so there's a specific list of grounds in the labor code. But basically, they're resigning because uh, the employer has been maltreating them or like commission of a crime. It's somewhat, it, it sort of mirrors the just causes under the labor code. So if the employer was at fault and did something to, uh, did something uh, unfair to the employee then the employee can resign effective immediately even if the employer insists that they have to comply with the period. Some employers, they have company policies where they have a shorter period like 15 days, 10 days. Uh, but again, if the employee uh, has valid reasons or ju- uh, just reasons to resign, then they do not have to comply with the, with the waiting period. They can just resign immediately. And it would not be it would not be taken against them. What would be the benefits um, granted or given to a to an employee who resigned the training? Okay, uh, if we're strict about it, an employee is actually not entitled to anything if they resign. Uh, some employees are under the impression that they can claim their retirement pay, yeah. but it really depends on the policy of the company. Uh, because when you resign, you're intentionally severing the employer-employer relationship, man. There are some companies that provide for severance packages or separation packages. 
uh, or separation benefits or loyalty, like loyalty, like for awards or something like that. Uh, if it's part of their policy, then that would be something that the employee is entitled to. But things that the employee is definitely entitled to under the law, well, first is their 13th month pay uh, in proportion to the, the months of service they rendered out of the year. So, and another would be, uh, well, obviously their final pay and then also their service incentive leave because when you have leaves that you have not used under uh, the service incentive leave, they get converted into money man. So you can claim that when you separate from the company. Uh, but it would be different if the company has its own like policies on leaves so they can stipulate on whether it's convertible or not. But if they don't, the default would be service incentive leave under the labor code. That is convertible to cash. An employee can claim that when they are separated from the employee, uh, from the employer. Um, we have this concept of constructive dismissal attorney and it's often like confused with resignation. So when can an employee say that he or she was constructively dismissed? Okay, uh, let's pivot back to dismissal in a bit. Okay. But constructive dismissal is basically when the work environment has become so hostile, so offensive, so impossible to work at that the employee has no choice but to uh, but to resign or to step away from work. Uh, typically, constructive dismissal can come in many forms because as opposed to illegal dismissal in the general sense where there is an uh, outright statement by the company that they are dismissed, constructive dismissal is more of an implied thing. We are they, Their employee is not told that they are dismissed but they are being treated like where they're treated like garbage so the employee has no choice but to treat themselves as if dismissed but a couple of common examples would be demotion for no reason sometimes employees get demoted because uh, they committed infractions or poor performance but for example if the employee is demoted for no reason or their benefits are decreased or their salaries are decreased for no reason then it would be amount to constructive dismissal another would be if forms of intense forms of discrimination like only the employee was not given this bonus or the salary only the employee was not allowed to come to the company like one party or something like that so intense forms of discrimination can also be considered constructive dismissal uh, so basically toxic work environment but it has to be toxic specifically only to the employee if it's a toxic work environment in general that's not constructive dismissal that's something you need to bring up with Dole. But if it's toxic only with regard to this employer or a few set of employees, they can probably claim that they have been constructively dismissed. But it has to be uh, the toxicity per se or the hostility has to be so extreme that it would compel an ordinary person to give up their job. And pivoting, pivoting back to resignation, uh, sometimes, okay, uh, this is like one, but resignation is a tricky thing because the presumption is. A lot of the a lot of the time is that it's voluntary. Some employers will do that that they force the employee to resign, uh, and then it on paper it looks like the employee did so voluntarily. But even though forcing an employee to resign is actually a form of constructive dismissal as well. So when an employee is forced to resign, it's constructive dismissal. But on paper it looks as if the employee voluntarily did it that they resigned from uh, their job. So that's a tricky thing to manage ba? because the employee claims that they were forced to do it but on paper, it looks completely voluntary uh, because 
uh, probably another a third person would think maybe the employees changing changing their mind and they think they think that they can fall back on a claim of constructive dismissal. So uh, it's very tricky, but uh, yes, being forced to resign is constructive dismissal. But when you have a resi- formal resignation letter from the employee, the presumption is that they did so voluntarily. So how do you detract? How do you detract from that? Well, probably the employee can present like text messages or emails from the company na kuan kuan if if you don't like it here you resign along ana so probably that the employee could use that as evidence to show that they were coerced into resigning and the claim of constructive dismissal can be uh can be bolstered by that uh yeah but kuan basically constructive dismissal is basically a hostile work environment the, to the point where the employee cannot tolerate being there anymore Okay, so that's it for our questions, attorney. We would like to thank you for your time and uh, for imparting your uh, knowledge. Um, so, for the listeners, attorney Roaya is also one of the labor law prof- professors in um, UC Law, and it's such a privilege to have a crash course on labor relations through this podcast. Yeah, naman yung yung Para sa mga ano, attorney. For the next generation. <laughs> so thank you again, attorney. Thank you, Seth, for having me. And that's it. We hope you learned a thing or two from today's episode. So we already know the rights and obligations of both employees and employers, as well as the constitutionally guaranteed right to security of tenure of the employees. So thank you for listening, guys. Till next episode. Thanks. Get loud. Ow! <laughs>